we're still going in our foundation series. Um, tonight we're going to be looking uh, at an interesting story. I wrestled most of the week with, do I go ahead and include this one? Do I skip on past it? Because we've been here in Acts for a while now. Um, and I don't want anybody to get kind of burned out on this and start thinking, well, do I move on? But this one is important. It shows us several big things um, about how the early church was viewing the people around them, uh, the way they handled these situations, and so I felt like it was important to go ahead and include it. Um, it kind of comes with an interesting character um, that we don't know his name. And how he's referred to the whole time, I'm not sure that I want to be remembered forever that way. Okay? Um, we're up to chapter 8, and our sermon entitled for tonight is What Can Stand in the Way? What can stand in the way? Um, it's something that this character ended up saying. Uh, we'll put it in context here in a little bit. Um, but when we start to think through this question, on every spiritual level, when we're looking at this gospel, what can stand in the way of that? What can stand in God's way? What can stand in the way of Jesus getting to someone? Spoiler alert, the answer is nothing. We know that because Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, there at the end, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will keep them from getting to us. He's on that rescue mission. He's coming for us. Now just to kind of Recap or remind here when we left off um, last week, we were talking about how this great persecution started against the church. But what it actually did was drive people out of Jerusalem exactly the direction um, that Jesus said that they were going to need to go. Because he told them, stay in Jerusalem for a little bit, and then you're going to go out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so when they start fleeing Jerusalem because of persecution, that's where they go. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as our beginning thought here, persecution will not stand in the way. And this story is one of those that kind of plays out as a result of this. Because one of those guys who flees is Philip. And he's going town to town, but he's not keeping quiet, trying to protect his own life. He's, everywhere he goes, he's speaking about Jesus. Um, we get a couple of stories here um, in this time of these guys going into these towns, and that's all they want to talk about is Jesus. So in Acts chapter 8, it tells us, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of men, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so that there was great joy in that city. People were paying attention. So many things were happening here in Philip's beginning ministry. You know, he goes in, he starts preaching about Jesus. Would have been a little bit different thought, you know, maybe a few people paying 
you know, starting to get curious, but then he starts healing people. He starts driving out demons from people. He starts making the lame walk. All these things that they heard rumors that Jesus could do it. Now here's a Jesus follower saying, look, this is the power that he has. And they paid attention to it. I don't know whose kid that is. <laughs> but Philip is paying attention as God speaks to him. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I'll be honest, those are a few verses that many, many times I've glanced over. Because I didn't pay attention to the little details. Um, why in the world do we need to be told that he was a eunuch? I just thought that was always weird. Why, why even share that? Like, that's his own business. We don't need to know. Why is that how we're always going to refer to him in this story for all history as the Ethiopian eunuch? Make up a name. Something. Stop telling everybody about the poor guy's condition. But there's, there's significance in that when you start to look at Jewish culture. And you start to look at how he would have been viewed from the outside. And whether or not people would have thought that he deserved to even hear the gospel. So at first you start thinking, well, was he Jewish? Is that why you know, he's going to Jerusalem? Um, to worship, it sounds like he's going to worship the God of the Jews, but at the same time, the way all this plays out, some people are led to question, well, was he the first Gentile convert? I mean, he's not from Jerusalem. It doesn't appear that he's born Jewish. It appears that he's Ethiopian, and he was chosen for this honor of working in the Queen's Court with that little insurance policy at play. But the thing was, to the Jewish people, there were almost different levels of society. If you're born Jewish, you're at the top. You are God's chosen people, his favorite. The Gentile people, are, they're a little lower. God chose them. Well, God chose to get the message to them. They can convert. They can come to love God, but they never get the full benefits of being Jewish. As eunuchs. Even if he had been born Jewish, because of what was done to his body, now he's been knocked down the head. And he's kind of in limbo between the two classes. So one of the things we see in the scriptures of the Old Testament, I'm not going to read you the exact description here, but here's the reference. Deuteronomy 23, 1, specifically outlines that a man in his condition is not allowed in the temple. Can't come into the courts and not come into worship. So that's what finally clicked for me going through it this time is that's why. This is a man who had enough fear of the Lord, enough desire to worship him, that he traveled all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem 
where at best his chance was to either stand outside of the temple and just be as close as he could get to God, or to try to sneak in and hope you don't get caught. I think that's such a foreign idea to us as Americans, the, the thought that we would have to sneak into church, hoping nobody noticed we were there. certain groups of people. 
things that would have given Philip or Peter hesitation to go to Gentiles or eunuchs or whoever, are they still in our hearts? But Philip listened. And so it says that Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I mean, try to picture that in your mind. That's a bit of an odd scene already. Because the Ethiopian man, he is in a chariot going down the road. Philip's just hustling along the side. Yeah. Imagine one of the cars out here was going down the road and the guy said, go catch up to him. Kind of this situation, you're running along outside the car. Hey, I hear you listening to that on the radio. You, it's your Bible app reading to you. Do, do you get it? No. And finally, the man invites him in. And so he climbs up into the chariot with him. And, you know, doesn't have to run and hold on to a conversation like that. But I think it's amazing here how the man is reading in Isaiah. But he doesn't know what it means. In all fairness, when we look at it here in a minute, it's the passage that everybody was debating who is it talking about. And that's his big question. And so it's kind of hard to tell. Was he kind of like how he went to Jerusalem? Was he reading it like, hey, it's the Bible and you get credit for trying? Or was he sitting there really trying to contemplate who does this mean? But the reassurance for us is that you don't have to understand it all. Because when he met God right there on that road, when Philip came to come and explained Jesus and connected the scriptures, he didn't have all the answers. He didn't know every bit of the theology. Obviously, he had a rich patron there in the queen. So he was able to afford the scroll of Isaiah. Who knows how much he did or did not you don't have to understand all of it to get started. That's what people get confused is whether you fix your life to come to Jesus or you come to Jesus to fix your life. We're told this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 2,000 years of 2020 vision. It's easy now to put two and two together. Well, that was Jesus. That clicked off several of the things that we read about him in the scriptures, but at this time, they hadn't been written. They would have at best rumors of what had happened. So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Think about how much the Holy Spirit had been leading them both to this exact moment. How many things had to play out just right for those two to meet at that point on the road that day for him to get the gospel? And the work in the 
Ethiopian man's mind. Now would be a good time for that pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Be working in Philip's night, though. When you had to flee Jerusalem, go to this refuge. But then we meet right at the right time.
it changed everything for this man. It had to be a right here, right now, baptized me. And he went home. But I've got to tell you all about this. Again, what can stand in the way? The answer is nothing. Nothing is going to stand in the way of God using you for greater purposes. Nothing can stand in the way. Like, nothing you have done disqualifies you from coming to Jesus, coming into church, getting baptized, becoming a member, being active, serving God. None of it. None of it's too much for him. The story ends up this way. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Hazardous and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. How crazy was that day for this man? Struggling, I'm trying to read my Bible. I don't get any of this. Guy comes running up beside my chariot. Leading the baptism comes up out of the water, or do disappears. It's easy to try to pour our twenty-first um, century skepticism into something like that. Imagining trying to tell everybody back at home, do we never believe what happened? Today would be a year like we don't. Yes. 
Jesus divided all of the differences that we're told should keep us on separate sides. You bring us all together. You build us up. You build your kingdom through imperfect people. And right where we are.